0: To interact with somebody that cannot give you that emotional support uh, is really uh, what I believe will continue to be the challenge.
1: Hello, I'm Richard Hurley, the BMJ's Features and Debates Editor. And the media is brimming with stories about artificial intelligence and its applications to healthcare. Earlier this year, a study showed that an AI system could diagnose eye conditions as accurately as expert human doctors. And in China, apparently a robot has passed the medical licensing exams. So where does this leave doctors? Is there a limit to this intelligence? And what about empathy and ethics? Our latest debate asks, could AI make doctors obsolete? I'm joined by two of the authors of The Head to Head. Jörg Goldhahn is Deputy Head of the Institute for Translational Medicine at ETH Zurich in Switzerland. And Vanessa Rampton is a philosopher at McGill Institute for Health and Social Policy in Montreal, Canada. And I'm also joined by a patient, Michael Mittelman, who's based in Philadelphia in the US. Thank you all for joining us. Jörg, first of all, could you briefly explain what AI is? We hear all sorts of terms, uh, machine learning deep learning what 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 does this mean? What are we talking about here yeah
2: it's a very good question, and I think the clarification of the question is also part of the solution. Uh, I choose to, for me the most appropriate definition which says um, artificial intelligence systems simulate human intelligence uh, and they do this by learning reasoning and self correction uh, so Deep learning would be the part of uh, the learning process, I would fall into this one. The reasoning goes hand in hand with knowledge representation. But the really important thing is self-correction, which uh, is a major part of artificial intelligence.
1: Thank, thank you. And can you give us some examples then of, of what AI systems can do at the moment in, in healthcare?
2: Let me start with another example, which people are probably more familiar with. Uh, you may know that uh, Deep Blue, the IBM chess program, beat Garry Kasparov in the 90s. At that time, people explained this with the very limited uh, number of potential moves. However, just recently, Google's AlphaGo uh, beat the, the current um, champion, world champion in Go, which has far more potential moves shows a little bit potential of artificial intelligence in other fields and as you mentioned at the beginning we see emerging evidence that um, artificial intelligence uh, is as good or even more accurate as physicians in certain areas Uh, usually in areas with a lot of expert knowledge like dermatology, image-based diagnostics um, and related fields.
1: And and so you're confident that given what AI can already do, that in the future these systems will be taking on a lot of the work or all of the work that doctors are doing at the moment?
2: Yes. Um, A major part of the doctor's role is the expert role. So with a lot of background knowledge, uh, he or she is capable to get to the right diagnosis and treatment. And exactly by the steps I mentioned before, learning, knowledge representation, and self-correction over time. So, however, the information uh, is growing rapidly, we learn about diseases every day, every second we get new information, and uh, machines are much faster in learning than humans. And this is where you know artificial intelligence may or will outperform medical doctors in the future.
1: Vanessa, perhaps I could bring you in at this point. In in his article, Jörg says that uh, the challenge around AI is technical rather than fundamental and that, that, that there's near unlimited capacity for data processing and subsequent learning and self-correction. The, the, I mean, the, what are the things that AI systems will never be able to do given that?
3: Um well, I guess I would start out by saying um, that I agree with with many aspects of what uh, Jorg says in his article, that AI does have this tremendous capacity for, for processing knowledge, for producing knowledge. What I see as the kind of the fundamental limitation of AI systems in healthcare is um, to um to substitute the physician patient relationship, and that's because as um, as it is now in that relationship between human persons, there is a clinical encounter um, between between people who are both engaged in the fundamentally uncertain task of living a life and I think it is what will remain the capacity of the human physician and and the kind of the the worth of the human physician as opposed to an AI system is the capacity to to relate to a patient's illness and and integrate it into a broader picture of um, taking into account the patient's values and preferences and, and kind of life context.
1: So uh, thank you where where i mean where i struggle a little bit is that were a machine to 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 see millions and millions and millions of patients and to learn from uh, each of those encounters would it not be able eventually to to learn how to um how how to do all of those things what, what is there a fundamental reason why why it couldn't
3: i mean there's a A philosophical concept that i think is helpful um, at this point in the discussion and that's um a relationship between second persons and and this is a kind of a symmetrical relationship between people who share some common ground it can be illustrated by by friendship for example so it's possible to say that person a cannot be a friend of person b um, if person b is not a friend of a so what I think where even, um, even if uh, computers were to learn through, through multiple um, examples of interacting with patients, that, that fundamental element of um, being uh, a person that is being vulnerable to illness, being vulnerable to human mortality, this is going to remain something that is inaccessible to machines.
1: Do York, do you agree with what Vanessa is saying there?
2: First I have to say, I'm, I'm a doctor by training. So just to put this into perspective. Uh, but, you know, you can also bring it down to, you know, some, a very provocative statement and say, what is, what is better for the patient, a smiling, friendly doctor with the wrong diagnosis or a machine with the right one? So I see the main uh, uh, added value on, but uh, the predict uh, the accuracy in prediction. I don't see it on the doctor-patient relation, and I would not, you know, argue against this.
1: Okay, thank you, thank you, Mike. Perhaps you could come in at this point and um, give us your thoughts as a patient. How would you feel if, uh, if, if you were being treated by machines rather than doctors?
0: It's a great question. So I, I, you have to understand, I think, the background that I come from first. So I have been a technologist, um, but I have been a chronic patient for many years with multiple comorbidities. So, I've seen a lot of changes in the health system. So, from the old paper days to now the integrated delivery networks, Um, but when it comes to technology, uh, you can call me a skeptic still. Uh, There's still a level of, I believe, trust uh, that has to be established. Um, And so, making a recommendation on how to treat somebody, Uh, or, you know, for diagnoses, I I can see the possibilities uh, that that have been discussed on the phone uh, or in this podcast. But beyond that, um, you know, I have to agree with the the folks that there is something inherent about medicine, uh, about being a patient, uh, you know, and and coming to someone that you want to feel uh, safe with uh, and and have a relationship with, uh, particularly as, as, as care changes these days to be more of a partnership. That's why I I am not at ease with the idea that technology will replace um, the doctor or that I will only go to a piece of technology for my care.
1: Thank you, Mike. It, I mean, it's, I think it's fascinating because, you know, you talk about safety and and relationship uh, just now. But it, I mean, if there's evidence that, that an AI system is safer than a, than a human doctor, does that not change your mind? Okay, you may not be able to have a relationship in the same way.
0: It, it does not change my mind. Uh, you know, I, I, it may bring up the idea of being more comfortable with taking a recommendation, perhaps, uh, or, or if it tells me to go take a pill, or to this is my uh, procedure that I should have done, uh, you know, that, I think that is something inherently different than what you're describing. So so I, I can think back to a time when I was a, a teenager and, and I was losing my second kidney. Um, I, I've had three kidney transplants up to this point. So imagine being in that room uh, today, and, and with somebody who is, is, uh, is coming of age in their teenage years, um, a family member with them, a, a mother and a father in this case, um, sitting uh, in, in a room in a diagn- uh, exam room where somebody is saying to you, you're going into end-stage renal disease again. You need a transplant or your kidney is failing. Uh, in addition to that, we have found that you can't receive another kidney transplant. The implication of that being delivered by technology solely with no one else present, um, I cannot imagine a situation of the sort um, where where the mother or father of that child, plus being the patient, I had plenty of questions, and I still always have plenty of questions. To interact with somebody that cannot give you that emotional support uh, is really uh, what I believe will continue to be the challenge in in healthcare and AI.
1: Thank, thank you, Mike. Uh, your, do, do you have any any reflections on what Mike's just said? I mean, there's a bit, a bit in your argument where you say that systems can learn um, ethics and uh, they can learn some of these other uh, subjective, uh, more subjective aspects that, that Mike's talking about.
2: Yeah, but of course um, I think that's a, that's a very valid point and that's also where I'm, I don't see the main advantage or added value of artificial intelligence. I personally expect that especially those specialties where the expert knowledge plays a major role will be potentially in in the near future will be replaced there. Uh, I personally think that especially the specialties with a very large amount of communication, shared decision-making, care, you know, where Humans are still needed. The question for me is then, does it it really have to be a doctor? You could also imagine a scenario where you have whatever uh, AI system and you have a psychologist in place uh, who is much cheaper than a medical doctor, by the way, uh, and could deliver sometimes a better service. Uh what you know your patient experience seems to be it seems to be in very good hands, I have to say, and not all doctors are that careful and that empathic um yeah, but these are could be scenarios where you then move towards a system where you have a communicator basically uh and backed up by an a i system
1: That's interesting, Vanessa. What do you think about that? How do you see the future of a doctor?
3: Yeah well um just to take up on the the point that that Jörg just made I think um it's actually a very old discussion within medicine itself you know to what extent is um the kind of comparative advantage of the physician to what extent is it communication or could communication the, the whole communicative aspect be um, delegated in some way to social workers psychologists and so on I think uh, that it will remain um, an important part, not by far not the exclusive part of what physicians do, but an important part, um, also because I think that there are so many instances in which um, a patient's uh, disease cannot simply be reduced to kind of easily uh, quantifiable physiological systems or symptoms, sorry. So, I think that that the the task of um doctors of the future will continue to be um, engaging with emotional um, social not easily quantifiable aspects of illness um which have which have a subjective dimension um, as mike said and um and human physicians are, I think, the ones who are able to kind of integrate these different aspects of illness and, and provide a more holistic perspective.
1: Thanks, Vanessa. M- Mike, do, what, do, what do you think about that?
0: My feeling is that Vanessa hits on a really interesting point, which is this this idea that um, there are these all these other pieces that go into what it's like to be a patient um, and that I do not believe AI um, will ever fully be able to, to take over. So Jorg hit on an interesting point earlier about what AI is. So if, if you really think back to the, the core of it, AI is only as good as the data in and we continually hear this in digital health and, and health IT every day. Uh, so, so if the systems also don't have enough information Um, either because the patients aren't willing to share that information, which is often the case, uh, or or that 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 situation is unknown and there's more fluidity behind it, um, then the AI technology, and that that software system that you're supposed to interact with, whether it's speaking to you or just spitting something out on the screen, uh, it doesn't have a complete picture of you. I can think back to specific examples. Uh, Most recently, when a social workers came into the picture. Uh, now, if the social worker hadn't been brought into the picture, in, in my case, um, I can think, I, I don't believe I may have even shared details that the social worker asked me. There are questions I hadn't even thought about before. And and it's that challenge that I'm not sure if technology will ever fully be able to address, or maybe far in the future. Um, as as you alluded to earlier, there are you know it's, it's only as good as this technology and the technology is progressing rapidly that could be the case but again it's it goes back to for me that ability to trust something that may not have the complete picture uh and so if it's making this diagnosis or telling me to take something so that that's where i, I sort of see it as a as a very different mm-hmm. uh set of scenarios
1: york did you want to come in there
2: yeah. yes please i, I want to two comments from my side. I just want to cite a study that has been uh, just recently published in in British Medical Journal in the open access section about medical education and training. And uh, colleagues in Germany have tested the statistical knowledge of final year students, and it was kind of shocking how low those statistics competences are. And I think that's quite quite representative for other medical universities. Um, we try to train them a bit harder, by the way, but uh you know uh, what I hear during the phone calls is a bit the ideal picture of a physician so reality sometimes is a bit different that we know medical doctors are sometimes biased, sometimes biased by the last uh former representative or biased by their own perception, um not always perfect in terms of statistics of learning. And this is where I clearly see a, a benefit if you bring in an independent system. Of course, you can, you know, as it was said, you know, your you know, predictions are as good as the input data are, but you know, as more data you bring in, even data from, let's say, social networks, um, social media, you can start to complete the picture. And then uh, you get a more objective um, view on... Uh, Indications. Yeah, uh, you will not forget to ask certain questions because you, uh, there's no kind of memory bias in a machine. So there are also things where I think that artificial intelligence may outperform human beings because simply because they are not human, they are machines.
1: Is it is it possible ever to have a completely independent system? I mean, all systems are created by humans with bias. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, the, the trick here is is the is deep learning, the machine learning, you know. This is so-called unsupervised learning. And, uh, of course, if you give a few, you input a few, let's say, boundary conditions, take only this source and take only that source, or ignore certain, you know, pieces of evidence, then you get a, also a biased prediction model that's, that's clear. If you have, a, let's say, unsupervised learning um, and certain correction uh, loops implemented that you know you review uh, the. let's say you can also uh, get into control mechanisms uh, and then you know go into the next step of learning and you can improve the system. Of course, if you start with, it will not be perfect, but the self-correction is the most important
0: uh, aspect of artificial intelligence.
1: Hey, thank you. Uh,
0: Rich, if I could weigh in for sure, a moment. of course, Mike. Um, one of the things that I see changing uh, across the, the globe, really, is this idea of um, not that the physician or the clinician, psychologist, social worker is necessarily the expert anymore. It's that changing role to begin with. So, the over-reliance on the physician, uh, I believe, is 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 sort of going away. So, it, you know, the idea now that we as patients are the experts in our own care, the the ideas of paternalism, uh, sort of seeing the physician as the end-all, be-all expert. Um, and, and so, I think it may come down to what Vanessa and, and York described earlier. Um, I think Vanessa hit on the point the most, which was about this you know is it is it a is it a uh sort of um a triangle perhaps in the future um with all three being needed uh for importance
1: thanks mike Vanessa what do you what do you think about that i mean wh- you make some distinctions in in your written piece about i think about illness and health um and and coping with disease rather than curing disease i wonder if you might Reflect a bit on 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 those um, aspects of medicine which perhaps um, a machine is maybe less suited to.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I think that that part of um, my argument in in favor of the kind of the physician, the human physician, is um, rooted in the very definition of illness and health, which. Which inherently have um, a subjective element, so it's impossible to um, to be healthy without feeling healthy. I mean, I think those um, two things are linked and it, and similarly it's impossible to achieve a state of health by Um, a technological intervention completely independently of the human context, of the personal context, as uh, Mike said earlier. And I think um, that kind of subjectivity, which is related to emotions, it's related to personal preferences, to values, um, it it all um, points for me in the direction of, of the limitations of technological kind of solutions in medicine because, of course, any um, so-called solution is going to be the result of a very complex interplay between personal preferences and situations and, and factors and, and possibilities of intervention as well.
1: Thanks, Vanessa. You, I mean, yeah, you also mentioned in your piece trust and respect and courage and responsibility and I, I guess uh, the same applies to some of those um, qualities york does uh does a i does a i threaten you do you feel threatened by a i as a doctor
2: no and i i see them more as a uh, potential help in the future uh, and I guess where we all can agree upon is that especially the expert role will be taken over at least to a certain extent in the future. It leaves room for doctors to focus more on the doctor relationship, go more into shared decision making, uh, and to focus more on this the aspects that Vanessa mentioned. And so it's a good chance to get back to the basics of the medical doctor. And what I expect is that we will see a significant change in medicine so it could be a complete upside down that those doctors that earn the most at the moment based on their expert status um, will have to fear the most compared to those doctors which are at the moment you know less or lower ranked whatever term you see it and focus more on the Interaction with patients, the communication, uh, and the uh, you know this doctor-patient relationship. So, I uh, to come back to your question, uh, I don't fear you know artificial intelligence, but I expect significant changes.
1: Thank, thanks, York Mike. Do you fear artificial intelligence and its rise in medicine?
0: I do fear it uh, to an extent. Um, I, I always understand that technology changes, uh, and that and that we have to adopt, uh, uh, adapt as patients uh, with that, and understand. You know, EHRs are now in the room. EHRs are often wrong and incomplete. The challenges I continue to see in, in healthcare, and which is why I am always and will remain a skeptic, is is that there are so many aspects of being a patient. Of uh, particularly of uh, when you are a chronic patient and, and are continually going through the system day in and day out. With my disease states and my, my personal health and wellness and, and mental health, um, I, 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 I probably will never trust it. Um, but that doesn't mean that I won't use technology uh, to help manage my diseases. Um, But I I don't think AI will ever really um, fully have my trust. Um, So we'll we'll see. Time will tell, Um, but I I, I don't ever want to lose that relationship that I have with somebody, whether it's the social worker, the psychologist, uh, the psychiatrist, uh, a surgeon, um, you know, or or, or just somebody else, the nurse practitioner.
1: Thanks, Mike. So some of your concerns are around implementation and and regulation, perhaps. You also mentioned um, data privacy in your in in your written piece, um, and 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 I mean I wonder about the 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 profit motive in all of this. I mean a lot of this is being um, um, run by um, private companies looking to to make profit. York, do you have anything to say on that? Those they, these concerns. Sure. We have
2: to take it serious, and I fully agree with the concerns. At the moment, we have an unlimited wide field. So for me, it's absolutely clear. If you want to build up this trust, then we have to establish the boundary conditions, as simple as this. Otherwise, we will never have full trust because we don't know what happens to the data, who is utilizing the data, you know, who is exploiting them um, and we see this now with all the big tech companies. You don't know what happens to your data that you insert in, into your iPhone and uh, and if you don't resolve this and I fully agree, we will never establish enough trust in those systems.
1: Thanks, thanks very much Jörg. I'm out of questions. We've got very little time left. So if you've just got any final comments or summing up you'd like to make, that would be great. Um, v- Vanessa, do you have any final words?
3: Um, just in in relation to what was uh, said earlier about... Um, you know, what will happen in the future. I mean, one fear or concern I have uh, with regards to this whole discussion surrounding AI is that it's often said in the literature that, you know, the fact that that physicians can delegate an an increasing number of tasks to AI systems will leave them with more time, and, and they'll have this freed up time will enable them to spend more time talking to patients. And I think that's um, a problematic way of, of seeing the issue because, you know, if we put, if we kind of collectively as a, as a society um, put all this emphasis on kind of objective um, scientific knowledge, then I, th- and then with the leftover time, well, just talk a little bit to the patients. I think we we kind of miss an opportunity to to realign um to think about how how the adoption of AI systems are actually contributing to furthering the goals of medicine and to furthering patient well-being, so, so that's um, one concern I have with respect to kind of how how the discussions surrounding AI are going to play out in the future.
1: Thanks, Vanessa. Yorg, do you have any any last words? I
2: anticipate a kind of stepwise implementation uh, we will see some showcases where we can demonstrate the added value of artificial intelligence to patients, uh, doctors in the healthcare system. Based on those cases the others will follow. However, we need clear boundary conditions to enable this Uh, scientific progress. We have to regulate what happens to data, ethical issues. We can see this at the moment quite clearly in in self-driving cars uh, where we have a similar discussion. So there are clearly some roadblocks to resolve before we can utilize the full potential of AI.
1: Thanks, Jörg. Mike, what what would you like to sum up with?
0: I would like to sum up with just, just hitting on, just hitting on that fact that it is for me. I think first and foremost about privacy. Um, so, I, I and I will give you an example of of what I mean. I, I would not want if this AI technology uh, that is supposed to be helping me has access to so much information about me, almost everything about me. And and it is run by a private company, um and they have other contracts. I wonder where the boundary lines will be drawn. Um and then will any information be used against me? Um I, I can think of cases uh um where where there have been insurance companies involved um with uh disease registries, um, other things and, and disease management programs and, and Um, The lines get blurred, um, despite what people may say. Uh, It does happen on a daily basis. And so my concern is what happens to the rest of the patient's life, not necessarily what happens in the room. Uh, So we have to look beyond that, Um, particularly as the technologies get smarter and more connected uh, and there's more room for breaches, more room for distrust. Uh, rather than trust um, that every everything is just going to work out. Um, and, uh, and that that's where my biggest fear is for this. Um, you know and but at the end of the day, um, if it can help me, um, then I am all for bringing it in. Um, you know bring it into the relationship. Um, let's just not forget that we're human beings uh, and that we need to treat each other as such.
1: Thank you. Michael Mittelman, Vanessa Rampton, Jörg Goldhahn, thank you very much for joining me today. What a fascinating debate. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: Thank Thank you. you.
1: What a fascinating debate. Robotic doctors, cheap, ultra-intelligent assistants, or a threat to doctors' very existence? You can read the debate online on bmj.com. As always, we'd be delighted to know what you think, so please send us a rapid response. We republish the best as formal letters to the editor. I'll be back with more debates in the future, so make sure you subscribe to us so you don't miss out. We're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening.